you know, when you're in it, I mean, for me, I've had many instances where I'm like, I'm just going to run through it and see what happens. And, um, and I know in my gut that that's not the right thing to do, but our runner brain just wants us to get back, to get back out there. So it can be tempting. (laughs) Are you constantly worried about getting injured or you don't know how to get faster as a runner and you want to continue to run for stress relief? then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Healthy Runner, the only place that provides you with training tips, injury recovery, and prevention tools with actionable strategies by experts in the running industry so you can develop a stronger running body and feel confident that you can overcome any obstacle as a runner. I'm your host, Dr. Dwayne Scotty, avid runner, running physical therapist and coach, educator, founder of Spark Healthy Runner, where we help dedicated runners get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running with the perfect online running coach, even if you've been told to stop running with an injury or you think coaching is just for fast runners. Learn more about our signature coaching program at learn.sparkhealthyrunner.com. Every week on the show, we coach you to grow as a runner, just like the process of building a strong, durable home that will last a lifetime requiring little maintenance. The design and planning is your mindset. The foundation is your strength training. The framing is your run plan. The electrical and plumbing is your nutrition. The insulation, drywall, and flooring is your recovery. The landscaping and exterior is your race strategy. If you master the six parts of growing as a runner, your running will be strong and last long, hitting PRs well into your 40s, 50s, and beyond. Every week, we help a runner just like you build their dream home. I'm your host, Dr. Dwayne Scotty. Welcome to the Healthy Runner Podcast. Hey, runner, want to do the thing we all love so much for a long time and make it sustainable? Well, today you're about to uncover the keys to running for life, community, and the planet that bring joy to your running for longevity. Welcome to episode 197 on the Healthy Runner podcast, where we help you get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running. Today, I get the opportunity to chat with one of my idols in the running podcast space and someone who you probably are already familiar with, and that is Tina Muir. Uh, For those that have been either hiding under a rock or who have just discovered running podcasts like this one, uh, Tina Muir is founder and CEO of Running For Real, host of the award-winning podcast of the same name and the co-host of Running Realized, a mother of two and a former elite runner turned sustainability advocate, an ardent environmentalist, and she has worked with the United Nations, the New York and Chicago Marathons, and the Peachtree Road Race on sustainability initiatives. Through her podcast and social media presence, she starts conversations and shares resources on sustainability, climate change, and how individuals can make a positive difference in their own lives. Her book, Becoming a Sustainable Runner, co-written with Zoe Rom, merges runners' passion for their sport with a concern for their health, their community, and the environment. As the first elite athlete to openly discuss having amenorrhea, Tina has become an advocate for others suffering with REDS or RED-S, relative energy deficiency in sport. 
That's a lot there, Tina. So I, I really appreciate you, honestly, for um, accepting my invite to come on the podcast today to share like three things that you are like super passionate about. And I know that you hold near and dear to your heart. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me and for the for the kind words. That means a lot. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Um, in this episode, guys, Tina is really going to share tips from her new book, Becoming a Sustainable Runner. Um, that I already mentioned, and how we as runners can really optimize our running all the while taking care of our communities and our planet as well. And, you know, Tina, we always like to start with a little dynamic warm up uh, to get the, get the body going right before a run. So if you don't mind sharing with our listeners, you know, where you call home and just give us a little backstory on how you've gotten to this point in your career journey. I thought you were going to say, what is your dynamic warm-up? In which case, I was going to gently slide out of the room and be like, oh, my audio is not working. Um, sorry. Um, that's not my strong suit, even though it should be. Um, my husband likes to remind me, he's uh, nine years older than me, and he likes to remind me that like you can get away with it now, but you, your time is running out, so <laughs> you better be ready. Um, but no, you did not answer that ask me that question which is good um where do I call home well as this is can tell I'm from the UK but I um I do live in St. Louis in Missouri uh and so right in the middle of the US and uh I my journey has taken me all kinds of places um but I started as someone who didn't really care for running ended up doing very well at the high school level and then um collegiate level professionally and um and since uh, since then, I, I really got to a point where I didn't wasn't enjoying the sport. In fact, I would even maybe use the H word, hate, hated running, um, and had to knew I had to find a way where I had built a healthy relationship with running and with myself. Um, and so since then, I've kind of been on this journey to discover what that means for me. And uh, it's been so much fun, and uh, obviously has had ups and downs, but. Um, yeah, it's been it's been an interesting journey, which I've really enjoyed. Don't know if that answered the question. No, it did, and I, I think you know, just going from you know being very successful as a runner, right, having an elite journey that you had, coming over here to you know go to college to be able to like do this as your profession, and you know, as as you kind of got to the end of the story, like you're your outlook, I guess, on running has changed over the years. And I guess that's really probably a lot of the genesis, right, of the book. And if you don't mind, I would just love to like start with a little word association, because I think this is such mm -hmm. a powerful word that you really chose, and that is becoming. Mm -hmm. So when I say that word, what does that word mean to you? It means you're not there. It means none of us are. Uh, and yes, I love that you picked up, we chose that word because that's the point that there isn't an end point. We're working on it. All of us are working on being the best we can, doing the best we can. But there, if there is an end point, I haven't found it. And I think that gives people a lot of relief because there's so much in our lives that we're made to feel like what we're doing isn't good enough. And I hope that the word becoming makes people think that uh, you can do this too. We're all becoming. Yeah. And I, I just love how, how you, you did choose that word. And you talk about that, you know, often and early in the book in that this is a journey. And I, I like to think of like all of us are on, 
you know, our own running journey, you know, we talk about in the context of running, but it's a life journey, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm a big fan of, you know, lifelong learning. And I just love the fact that even with the topics that um, you kind of discuss in the book, and we'll kind of get into is like, three different broad topics of like our own health as a runner. And obviously here in the Healthy Runner podcast, like that's what we (laughs) mainly focus on. Um, But then also how that relates to community and then how that relates to kind of planet. And really all of that actually results in helping us individual as individuals and as, you know, helps us in our running journey uh, as well. So I I think it's really important for us to all realize that we are on this journey. And I love the fact that you said becoming because we just like me talking to you now, Tina, like I've been listening to your podcast probably since like the beginning of it, right? Like (laughs) years before I just ever even thought about that I would, you know, be doing a running podcast as a, you know, physical therapist at the time. Um, And it is one of those things that you never feel like we're good enough. And I think as runners, we're like super hard on ourselves for some reason. You know, running is one of those things that attracts the personalities that, you know, we we never feel like we're doing enough or we've never gotten there yet. So I love the fact that you did choose Becoming. And what I really loved about, you know, reading the book, and I told you beforehand, full disclosure, I'm not done with it yet, but, Mm -hmm. um, and this is a funny ironic uh, side story that I actually thought about this yesterday. I myself am more of a auditory learner, hence why I listen to podcasts, um, Mm -hmm. as well as visual learner. Mm -hmm. So I don't really do a lot of reading. So I actually had a journey of education of getting like four different college degrees, like way too much kind of like going down that whole pathway where the only things I ever read were like physical therapy stuff, PhD stuff, academia stuff, journal articles. So I didn't really read for leisure. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't until actually your interview with Brad Stahlberg and, you know, the practice of groundedness that I actually, that was like the first book that I ever like read. (laughs) So, and I remember actually posting that like years ago and was like, wow, this was an amazing book. And then it just opened my eyes up to actually books for like self-improvement and Uh leisure. And Uh so I'm excited to actually read your book. So it like comes full circle. Yeah, I love that. That's amazing. (laughs) No, I'll have to tell Brad that because that's pretty cool. Um, And uh, and I I totally understand what you said. When I was doing my MBA, when I'd finished that, I felt the same way. When people would say about reading, I was like, I don't feel like I ever want to read anything again. Um, (laughs) And but yeah, it's taken me a while to get back to it. So I totally understand that, and I am honored that my interview with with Brad was what pushed you over the edge to I mean that's a really good book it's I've got it up on my shelf it's one of my favorites and his new one is really good too um not that I should be promoting his books on this <laughs> time, but yes, yes. <laughs> I do love his work as well he's he's a great person to yeah help help believe in what you can be yeah so I I kind of mentioned that you know you've had the running for real podcast for a while since 2017 and I'm interested to hear you know what did you learn from like all of your conversations and experiences with the podcast that really helped you in writing, Mm. becoming a sustainable runner? Yeah, that's a very good question. And one I have not thought about, um, I think the thing that comes to mind mostly is, uh, I had always, um, 
I had always come to the sport being one of the best and one of the athletes that people would look to and 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 admire. And uh, so a few things come to mind. One is I think the universi- universality is that is that, the, is that a word? Um, I believe the so. Universal concept of like we most of us struggle with feeling like we aren't doing enough. And I think I had often thought. Um, that uh, the people who were on my podcast had it all figured out and they were like people who had kind of got their lives together, got everything together. And actually in that interview with Brad I did recently, I started, I don't know if you listened to that, I started it off by basically saying you trigger me because it feels like you've got everything right. And he threw it back at me, rightly so, saying, well, I actually don't share anything uh, about my life. You're just interpreting it. And I was like, oh, that was a painful thing to hear. Um, <laughs> but I think all the podcast guests over the years have shown me that regardless of who you are, you go through self-doubt of wondering if you're enough, um, of thinking, what, how, do, where do I fit in? When will I be enough? And especially those people who are often the high achievers who end up on my podcast are people who hold themselves to incredibly high standard standards, who struggle to accept their accomplishments. Um, And so I wanted to speak to those things that I had learned over the years, stepping away from elite running, that when I stepped away from elite running, it didn't mean that the running community was like, ew, go away. We don't want to hear from you anymore. You're not fast. I don't want to hear from you. Um, But actually that we all need to hear that. And and when we do learn to accept ourselves for who we are, um, the more at peace we feel. Um, And so the many of the podcast guests ha- were were struggling with those same acceptance values, varying levels of where they were along their journey. But I think that reminded me to include that piece because even though I knew that was there for the everyday runners that I had come into contact with over the years, it was very apparent within the guests that even the people at the very top still struggled with that. Um, and so I think it was sometimes it can come across a bit of a woo-woo message of like, oh, you've got to love yourself. But I think often we do need to hear that uh, because otherwise it is something that isn't often mentioned um, within nonfiction books because it kind of almost feels like they're too advanced for that. So I was kind of like bringing it down another level to be, again, becoming imperfect, realistic yeah and it makes it more relatable mm-hmm. and that's you know the thing that you know if we if we come into a contact with you know runners who are struggling because they never want to see double digits on their easy runs mm-hmm. and they have to run them in you know less than a 10 minute mile because it just looks bad mm-hmm. right and you feel like oh you're not good enough and you know there's so much about um just yeah, not being good enough, right? And becoming, and I just love the vulnerability that you and Zoe both share in the book itself and make it really relatable and using examples of two from an outsider perspective would say like, oh, these are two elite runners. And for those that don't know, Zoe Rom, her co-author is an elite trail runner, right? So you're saying, well, that works for them, but maybe that doesn't apply to me. And and just hearing, you know, how honest, um, you are in the book and, and just sharing those insecurities and like what you just shared of, 
you know, some of these high performers that you've interviewed before in the podcast. So that is interesting that that did kind of have um, an impact in when you were writing the book. So yeah, thanks for kind of sharing that. Now let's take a quick pause from this episode in which I hope you are finding value from to talk about safety because it should be a top concern for every runner. Have you got the right running safety gear? Whether you're heading out the door for a quick, easy run or logging a long run that you need to start super early before the sun rises or you finish super late after the sun goes down, Knox Gear keeps you lit up from all angles so you are visible by cars. Their signature product, the Tracer 2, keeps you visible while you run by pairing powerful multicolor LED fiber optics with ultra-reflective 3M patterns and fluorescence. Knox Gear's new Tracer lamp lights your path and boosts your visibility that attaches directly to the buckle of your Tracer, eliminating the need to use a headlamp anymore because let's be honest, who loves that bouncing feeling on your head when you're running? Just use the code Healthy Runner during checkout when placing your order at knoxgear.com to receive 35% off your order. Go ahead and give Knoxgear a try. Trust me, we recommend it to all of our healthy runners in our coaching program, and you will never feel more confident that you are safe while running. Now, let's get back into this episode. Let's get into kind of part one of your book, which is really just sustaining the runner's mind and body. Mm-hmm. And I love how you talk about the mind first in the book, um, because those that have been following along in this podcast know that we like have a six step framework for like how to grow as a runner. And even though I'm a running physical therapist and coach where my focus was always on the body, right? My whole mm-hmm. career, years, um, even in that framework, I put the mindset first yeah. and you know, can you just speak to, you know, why it is that that was important for you and Zoe to really start off the book talking about things like self-worth versus like outcomes? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, part of it was, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, that I had really gone through this transformation of recognizing that my worth as a human wasn't only because of me running fast. That wasn't why people liked me. So that had been a real like kind of uh, revelation to me during the last five years that like, oh, I I do have (laughs) value beyond my running ability. Uh, And so that was something that was very fresh in my mind. But mostly it was because we wanted it to be clear that you cannot, just the whole, um, that old phrase of like, uh, you can't, others won't love you until you learn to love yourself or some, whatever that phrase is. Um, but um, to prove the point that you can't take care of your community, you can't take care of other people, you can't think about the planet to the extent that you have the potential to if you yourself are not taking care of you. And we know this, right? Like if it's the whole like airplane thing of putting on your oxygen mask before helping others, like we have to... Uh, make sure that we are doing what we need to be able to be the best and the healthiest and happiest human that we can be before we can start thinking of others. And if we try to just give to others and not give to ourselves, um, then 
we are just going to end up burned out, depleted and requiring, you know, serious chunks of rest. And I'll be honest, like, again, with the word becoming, like my husband, every now and again, he actually had to do it the few weeks before the book came out, um, has to say to me, I feel like you're doing it again. You're running into a, you're running headfirst into a wall. I can feel you doing it. And so he has to remind me every now and again, because I start doing that too. Everyone else is more important. Everything else is more important. Oh, who cares if I have five hours of sleep? I'll deal with that later. I'll be fine. I'll drink a coffee. Um, and so the whole concept was really getting people to think about the way that they, the relationship they have to themselves, to their running, because if you don't have a healthy foundation, you cannot um, give the other things the attention and love that, that they deserve. And they build upon one another. So yeah, that's why we started it that way so that people recognize they are. And, and at the end of the day, that is the most important piece for us because if humans aren't, if humans are thinking about the planet, but they're walking zombies, they're not going to help anything either. So we have to be able to be healthy and happy before we start thinking about the other two pieces. Yeah. And really doubling down on, you know, self-care whether mind body but it's not selfish right mm. and i think that's you know especially i find um you moms you rock star you know moms mm. uh, mother runners and you know you're juggling family jobs and um you guys usually are the uh the the biggest culprits i find yes. of struggling <laughs> with that right mm -hmm. and mm. you know really needing to prioritize that and trying to, you know, for instance, like yesterday was the current running, you know, marathon training cycle that I'm in was my hardest long run. It's basically the hardest long run I'm going to do all year. And I kept having to tell myself that even though I knew I had this interview with you today and I would have loved to like really like get some like you know, think of some really great questions for you because, you know, I was struggling with feeling like I'm not worthy enough, right? I need to come up with some really good, insightful questions for Tina. I need to like read the whole book in order to <laughs> be able to have this uh -huh. great interview. Uh -huh. But I, I had to, and I was somewhat proud of myself, right? That I was like, hey, this is like literally the hardest run that you do out of 365 days. You need the sleep to recover from that run, mm -hmm. right? Versus burning the candle at all ends. Um, so that is something that, you know, a lot of us struggle with. Yeah. And I love how you kind of talk about a lot of that early on and, mm -hmm. and really the other concept that I love that you talk about is stressors and not just being like stressed in general, but can you just speak to that a little bit? How, stressors in life um, is going to affect your running. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I do want to take a moment to celebrate what you did yesterday because that is not easy to do. I've also been in that situation where I haven't quite finished or even got halfway through a book, know it's coming, wanted to have good questions. This person gets interviewed all the time, blah, blah, blah. So I recognize and I want to celebrate you doing that because that's, uh. and you've already come up with two questions that I've never been asked. So you're already, you're already winning. Um, but um yeah. Um, uh, when, and on that note, I just uh, remind me of the question again. <laughs> stressors and how stressors, yes. stressors in life can really yes. affect your running. Yeah. So I think it's it's very easy for us as runners to 
we're good at getting things done. We're good at getting getting on with it. We're good at like getting out there early if we have to or finding a way to squeeze things in. We we do what we need to do. And um, I many runners, that means they are getting up at, you know, let's say you've got a family event at 9 a.m. So you're getting up at four to get your run in before that event. So you can get home, get showered, or you have to, you know, get your kids to school or you have to start your job at 7 a.m., whatever it may be. We, we're very good at doing that. Um, but Zoe and I tried to bring emphasis to the fact that um, let's say we have a major, any of us have a major life change in our world. Like we're moving house or we're going through a divorce or we're have a new baby or we have something that a, a, a parent who you have to move into a, um, a retirement home. Like all of those things are very stressful, not yes on our bodies, but on our minds and everything. And we really wanted to drive the point home of stress is stress. And so during those big life events, we might feel like our lives are out of control and we want to grab onto something that we can control. And so it's like, I know I'm going to set a goal race. I'm going to train for this. And while you can train for it, having any kind of expectations tied around it, or like you said in with the example of your hardest workout of the year, if you are going through a divorce and you're the day before your hardest long run, you get a call from the lawyer and it's not good. That is going to affect your run, no matter how hard you try, no matter how much you want to have that run go well. So like, we really wanted to bring home the point that like, you have to consider what is going on in the rest of your life. And it doesn't have to be the big life events. Maybe it's just you know, you've got lots of little things going on at the same time. Um, and you have a workout and it doesn't go well. And you're like, why, why did that not go well? And you start to think back and you think, well, actually, you know, my child is struggling to get, uh, my, my child is struggling with, um, I think they might be being bullied. Um, my, uh, mom keeps forgetting things that I told her. Um, you just got all these other things that are going on in your world, taking energy from you, and so we kind of wanted to remind people that your running can be a companion for you, but so many runners just view it as all their running is, is train for a race, uh, take a week off, do it again, train for a race, take it. But it's okay if running sometimes is just a companion for you and you go through periods of where it's just stress relief or easy runs or short runs. Um, and so I really hope we made that point of like, it doesn't have to always be about goals and races because sometimes your life is just not going to allow for that. Yeah. And I, I think it's important for you to think about those things, runners, as you're, you know, starting to plan out, you know, what does, you know, the next four months look like? And should I be signing up for this race? Should I be trying to go after a PR? Should I be trying to, you know, run my first marathon? Should I be you know, are you going through these stressors and, you know, are you going to be interviewing for a new job? Are you going to be, you know, finishing up school? Are you going to be right? All those things, having new baby, having new family, you know, dynamics, all of those variables are going to go into running is not only about the physical stress, but the emotional and mental stress that you have in your life is going to impact your outcomes of running. Absolutely. <laughs> so I love how you guys talked about that early on because I think it's it's really important for us runners to remember that. And sometimes we're you know so hard on ourselves if we don't hit the times that we want, but then we haven't 
really zoomed out and be like, oh yeah, I was going through a really, you know, stressful time period in my life at that time. No wonder physically I couldn't actually perform as I wanted to um, perform. Mm-hmm. Which perpetuates that cycle we were talking about the self-worth of like, what is wrong with me? Why am I not good enough? When we don't look in to examine what could have, what could have been going on beyond like, oh, I, for, oh, I, must have had a cramp because of my electrolytes. Like there's always more going on than just that. Right. Absolutely. And yeah, you talk about that kind of comparison trap that we all get into and we don't know everything that's going on in someone's life, um, as you kind of alluded to before. Um, So I'm kind of interested because I come from, I I was an adult onset runner, as I like to call myself. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So when I was 32 and I came from more of the strength world and like being in the gym um, with yourself, it sounds like you've been running, you know, since early, you know, school, you went to college for running. Sustainable strength, Mm -hmm. you know, was that hard for you? Um, to integrate like strength training routines into your running mm. because you were always like a runner first, or is that something that's been easy for you? I love this question because I've never really had many questions asked about my strength training, my relationship to it, but it is a critical piece of, so I always say when I ran um, for Great Britain in 2016, there were three things that allowed me to do that. My husband slash coach, my sports psychologist, and my strength training coach. Without any of those pieces, I would not have done what I did. That said, um, I yeah started out as yeah a runner and didn't. I mean, I'm trying to even. I don't even know in college what we did. Did we do? I think we just did like band work. Yeah, we did like uh, what they called monster walks and like <laughs> yep. all the, the band things. We did a lot of that. We did just basic body work things, and then. After college, when I was running professionally, I very much got into the mindset of um, like, oh, I've just got to do these things that I'd been doing in college, but the quicker I get through them, the quicker they're done. And so I'd be like watching TV, doing one-legged squats and things like that. And I remember I was doing this one day in the in this gym in my local area. Um, and just because it was snowing or something, I was in there to use a treadmill and I was doing strength training. And I could feel this man looking at me. And I, he, he was the owner of the gym and he came over and he, he was asking me questions about what I was doing. And, and eventually he basically said to me without saying it, what you're doing is a load of crap and you might as well not bother. Um, without saying it, he kind of said that. So then we started working together and then I just watched my body. It felt to me almost as if my limbs were like detached. And when I worked with him, it like, like they all like came back together and worked as one cohesive unit. And so all of a sudden, I totally understood strength training and why it was so powerful. And I felt stronger. I ran better. Everything started coming together. He, I mean, I could not do enough to say thank you to him. And then when we moved here to St. Louis, he stayed there, obviously. And I was like, I'm going to do it on my own. I was not prepared to go with anyone else. I felt like I was he was like a brother to me and I couldn't, I felt like cheating on him, like, and I couldn't go. So I just did it by myself or tried to failed miserably. Um, just didn't do it. And then when I went back to strength training, found someone here in St. Louis, again, it felt like my limbs suddenly like reattached to my shoulders and my sockets and everything came back together. So I really, uh, strength training has been absolutely critical to me. Uh, but I learned from myself that 
I need that accountability or I am just not going to do it. (laughs) Yeah. So have you felt like it's been most helpful from like an injury prevention standpoint or just like performance standpoint or both? I mean, I think all of the above. I really cannot recommend I mean you know this yourself I cannot recommend strength training enough I personally believe in really working with someone or like at least finding someone online who knows what they're doing rather than the like 10 exercises runners world might put out or something like that Um, I've really seen the impact of having things that address my specific weaknesses Uh, but yes I I think injury prevention I think performance I think economy and just also it's fun, right? Like running is so like, it's, it's amazing. We get to explore, but it's very much the same activity. I love the challenge and the change of strength training. It just keeps it interesting. Yeah. And it, it is one of those things that I like to say, you know, really is the foundation for which running is built upon, especially for, um, those I'm definitely a little older than you are, uh, but you know, us masters runners, and if we're in our forties and fifties and beyond, like we definitely need to, you know, dedicate the things that we could have gotten away with in our teens and twenties. Um, unfortunately, as we age, uh, we can't get away with without, mm. uh, you know, strength training and kind of speaking to that point, you know, have there been any specific injuries, um, that you have endured and would you mind sharing with our listeners, you know, what you have learned from that injury? If you there mean, has been any lessons learned in my entire career, you can speak to an injury um, that you've had a while ago or anything that you've had recently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I've definitely learned a lot from, I, I, I'm personally like a big believer in things unfolding the way they're supposed to so each injury has happened the way it had has to teach me something um I would say so uh, I did get in a real injury cycle in the third year of my uh of being in college and that really I didn't learn my lesson and that was in the book about just trying again and again banging my head against the wall um until I eventually realized that a lot of it was running too fast on easy days a lot of it was just not always trying to get back got to get back and and that approach of trying to get back all the time is just setting you up for um for failure really um but actually more recently I have been working through um a Achilles issue that I've had since about May um and it has been I have now Haglund's deformity which I've heard from a few people is one of the worst injuries you could possibly get uh, which has been very stressful because I've had a lot of um, a lot of elite runner friends who have been like, I wish I'd got the surgery right away. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. Don't tell me that. Um, and so I have flipped a lot. Like one minute, uh, one minute I will be speaking to my sports rehab guy and I'm like, okay, we're going to keep it. We're going to be conservative and he, we make a plan together. And the next minute I'm calling him and I'm like, we need to get the surgery right now. Um, and then the next minute I'm like, no, no, actually, never mind. Let's go back to what we were doing. Um, and so what am I learning from this? Um, I think the biggest thing I'm learning is too many cooks in the kitchen. is not a good idea. Like you have to find someone you trust and stick with it. Uh, because with injuries, that's where we, we, the hardest part is not the, when you first start running, right. It's when you, things are going okay. You can run about an hour 
maybe 45 minutes to an hour and you're like, oh, I'm good, right? I'm good. And then you get carried away. So I think that's where I'm in that danger zone right now um, and having to trust myself that this is a long process, especially for an injury like this, insertional Achilles tendon. I I never know that term. Whatever the word is, tendinopathy, tendonitis, (laughs) whatever the term is for that. Um, insertional Achilles issue, um, that it's a long recovery process and not jumping ahead, um, because it's not coming together. So I'm, I'm constantly learning right now. Um, but I think the biggest thing that's come to mind recently is like, I am very much because I am well-connected, always asking other opinions and it gets very dangerous when you start hearing conflicting opinions. And so you start flip-flopping and you never really have a plan. So, um, but it's hard. I mean, injuries are tough. And, um, you know, when you're in it, I mean, for me, I've had many instances where I'm like, I'm just going to run through it and see what happens. And, um, and I know in my gut that that's not the right thing to do, but our runner brain just wants us to get back, to get back out there. So it can be tempting. (laughs) Right. No, thank you for sharing that. And I, uh, first off for those that, that don't know, um, what Tina's talking about, like the Haglund's deformity is like a piece of bony growth, essentially, um, off the back of the heel bone, the calcaneus, where the Achilles tendon inserts into. And that's where you can get the irritation of the tendon as it inserts into the bone um, that we call insertional uh, tendinopathy. You know, everyone knows as tendonitis. So I, I'm, I'm comfortable saying that term just because mm. that's what most people know it as. But yes, unfortunately, this is one that is very tricky to treat in runners. Um, mm-hmm. The majority of people listening to this, if you have Achilles pain, I don't mean to scare you. Most likely, just the percentages, you probably have not this version. You have what we call mid-substance mm-hmm. or mid-portion of the tendon, which responds really, really good to loading exercises. And um, the prognosis and outcomes is a lot better. But yeah, yours is definitely a little trickier um, mm-hmm. to manage. But I, I love how you brought up that point about like too many cooks in the kitchen, because we even get this uh, with some of the athletes like in our coaching program where, uh, you know, being someone who like posts online content, right, for like educational purposes, I might post something and we'll get someone who is in our coaching program working like one on one in a high touch program with one of our coaches. But then they, you know, either ask about something I posted or something that someone else posted, if they should be doing this. And I'm like, wait, you actually have someone who knows the whole story and for someone who posts you know things online i'm giving like the generalization scenario and if i post something on achilles anything it's usually the other achilles right it's more for that mid portion um scenario and not like what you're experiencing um so i think you bring up a good point because so many people just get inundated with information overload and they google and they have 10 different opinions, and then they just get lost and they don't make progress because they're actually not, like you said, you know, believing in one method and really like trusting that person. So get the right person. And then yes, like actually follow through with the plan because they know your personal situation better Mm -hmm. than anyone else um, knows. So yeah, I think that's a great uh, point and lessons learned. And hopefully uh, you're journey getting over this uh, Mm -hmm. condition can continue to move in the right direction. 
I hope you are enjoying this episode and it is providing value for you. I wanted to take a brief moment to share a story of a real runner like you who is struggling with a common problem that you may be facing. Here is one of our athletes who got the guidance, support, and accountability from our Healthy Runner coaching team to get clarity and structure on the six steps to growing as a runner with personalized strength, nutrition, and run plans. I hope their story inspires you that there is hope to either get over your running injury or to continue getting faster or running longer so you can continue to get in those mental clearing miles and enjoy your running journey again. Here is their inspiring story. Hi there, my name is Jason and I wanna take a minute to tell you about my experience with Spark Healthy Running and the Healthy Runner Coaching Program. So I found Dr. Scotty uh, via a Spotify podcast searching for Achilles tendonitis. I had been battling it for about four months leading into the New York Marathon last year uh, and it made my training uh, not fun and it certainly had an impact on my performance and I couldn't get rid of the Achilles tendonitis. I then had shoulder surgery and was out for 12 weeks. And when I came back, the Achilles issues were still there. So I reached out to Dr. Scotty and signed up for his four week program. Uh, And over that four weeks, uh, he coached me through the ups and downs, um, but everything that he said would happen, happened. Uh, My Achilles pain went from a six, seven to uh, roughly a zero over the four weeks. Um, the strength training comport, p- a portion of the program uh, put me in a place where I feel stronger as a runner than I ever have. My hips, my legs, uh, across my, my body and my form, I feel in a much stronger uh, position. Um, and, and mostly, you know, it, it, dis- it created a level of discipline in my training that I hadn't had in the past. So um, while it was, uh, I was a little bit sticker shocked from the price of the program, that price actually led me to being more disciplined and taking the uh, program very, very seriously and staying committed. Uh, And I couldn't be more pleased with the results. Um, I'm running faster, I'm running stronger than I ever have. uh, And now I'm in a great position to train for my next marathon. So thank you to Dr. Scotty uh, and the Spark Healthy Running team. And uh, that's it for me. I hope sharing that story inspired you and provided you some hope If you want the one-on-one structure, accountability, and support from our Healthy Runner coaching team of experts, check out the the behind-the-scenes video tour of our signature coaching program you just heard about, including other stories from runners who are just like you and were struggling with the same sticking points before they signed up for our program. Just head to learn.sparkhealthyrunner.com to learn more and book your strategy call with me today. Now let's get back into this episode. Yeah, we all struggle with injuries Mm. at some point and that's how Mm -hmm. I got to, you know, where I am now and just sharing, right, the lessons learned essentially of how I became healthy as a runner, um, even being a physical therapist and starting out running. But a lot of it, like you had alluded to, is a lot of training errors. Like a lot of times we're our own worst enemy. I like to say it's like all due to runner error. Mm -hmm. And if Mm -hmm. we just um, either we weren't educated or we just are stubborn (laughs) and uh, we don't have the right approach to how we go about our our running. So thanks for sharing some of that. 
I do want to add just one point to that. And that is what I was saying earlier about like the stresses, right? This is a perfect example of becoming because what was I doing in the two months around when this popped up? I was burning the candle at both ends, getting this book ready, trying to train. Uh, I was I ran a 50 mile race then I was trying to build up my training so I could do 100K in the fall. And realistically, having two young kids, launching a book, having a business and trying to train 70 miles a week for 100K, something was going to give. And what was it that broke down? My body, of course it was. Um, and so I think that's another example of I'm still learning this journey, always will be. But also the, the stresses thing that I was saying about, that's my lesson that I have to learn is that I didn't, I thought I could do it all and I can't. None of us can. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. No, thanks. And thanks for sharing that. Like a, a great example of becoming. I love it. Um, so let's shift gears to kind of... Um, part two of the book and really talking about community and, you know, how can runners really sustain their communities? How can we be a part of our communities and how can those communities actually go back and help fulfill our running cup, if you will? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, we all have our own version of what this means. Um, you have, everyone listening has some something that has caught your interest. Um, I talk in the book that for me, running as a guide for visually impaired runners is um, something that is has become very important to me. It was very helpful in my transition out of elite running and into this next part of my journey with giving back. So for me, that was something important. And actually with my injury, I just mentioned my return. When I just spoke to my sports rehab guy uh, before I jumped on this call, he said, what, what do we want to do the next few months? And I said, I want to be able to run or to do New York City Marathon with my friend Kaylee to be there for her. So of all the things I could have said, that was what I wanted to make the priority was being there for my friend Kaylee, who has Down syndrome. This is a historic moment for her competing in this race, and I want to be there for her. So whatever it takes to get there for her. Um, and so I think in the first part of my career, it was very much about me. Um, and so for me personally, I had to counterbalance myself by giving too much in many ways to the sport. So I wanted to give back to my community by the running for real community. I wanted to guide. I wanted to just find ways to be, to, to essentially balance out the scales as I felt like all I'd been doing was taking. Um, but I want to remind runners that regardless of what your running journey involves, giving back feels so good, as you said, about filling up your cup. And you will know what piece of that speaks to you. So maybe it is that you have some specific characteristic or part of your identity that you that speaks to you. Maybe you were someone who was left behind. You went to a running club once and you were the one that was dropped and you were left. And then you thought, I, I'm never going back to a running club again. But now you are a part of a running group that you found. Maybe you're called like turtle runners or something and you want to get that out to the community to allow other people to feel like they are welcomed and so maybe that's your way that you give back is through mentoring being a role model giving people a place so that they can feel like they belong or maybe you have run a really fast PR for you recently and you dialed you nailed your nutrition and so for you you know that the 
volunteers at the aid stations that handed you your water were a critical part of you being able to run your race well. So for you, something you could do to give back is volunteering to work at an aid station. And so the middle section of the book just really gives people lots of ways that you can connect and be a part of the communities that speak to you the most um, and how that is not only, it's not going to take from your running, it's going to give to your running, it's going to give you purpose and meaning and level up the relationship that you have with your sport. And um, regardless of what level you are running at, I think that is a critical piece of our our long-term wellness um, because it just is so meaningful and important to us as, as humans to be a part of something. And it just, yeah, shifts the perspective, right? That it isn't only about us and our personal running goals. Mm -hmm. I think it helps provide that perspective. And yeah, for anyone who has volunteered at a race, like, you know, and just seeing the people finishing, or even if you didn't volunteer at a race, you're at the race, but then you're cheering on those after you're done, right? And seeing, you know, really cheering them in. And one of my favorite things that I love to do now is at all my races of doing like a cool down jog after to help with recovery is I'll jog, you know, a mile or two out backwards on the course and then just find a runner who I know is just mentally struggling. Mm -hmm. And they've like, you know, they've got all the negative self-talk going in their head. They're really struggling. And because I know I've been there at a race and I've had people help me and like carry me for a mile essentially. Right. And I know if they weren't there at that time, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have like hit the goal that I hit. And I just love doing that now because it would just be random strangers. I don't know. Oh my God. And it just feels so amazing though. Right. Like Mm -hmm. just to know that, Hey, this person like doesn't know me from anyone. And like, I know what they were feeling. And then you just give them that little momentum and you're like, Hey, just, you know, get on my shoulder here. Let's go. Like you got this. And just little things like that, I think Uh can help like connect us um, better to our communities. I honestly think that is one of the best feelings in the world when you lock eyes with a stranger in a race and they like you're doing like they believe in you and they see you and they say, come on, you can do this or something like I mean, there's nothing more powerful than that. That's I love that you do that. That is one of the best feelings in the world when you catch someone's eyes and you're just looking at each other and it's like one's pouring energy into the other. It's just, I love that you do that. Yeah. And so let's uh, let's kind of get to the, the third part of the book here is really looking about how we can sustain our planet. And like this, I'm not going to lie. Um, I'm going to be completely transparent. I feel like I am inadequate in this area, right? And I don't know enough. And I'm sure there are probably many listeners who feel the same way as me. So what is kind of the low-hanging fruit that we could really do as runners that can help with some of the sustainability of the amazing planet that we live in? Um. I genuinely believe that every single person on this planet has a role to play in our future with handling this climate emergency that we are in. Um, And that means that every one of your listeners has some passion, some purpose, some role that you play in your life where you have the opportunity to make change happen. And so one of the easiest things I think to do um, Although, like I said, I think we have to figure out for ourselves where our intersection is. 
um, the one of the easiest things is to let the brands, let the races, let the running uh, community, but your touch points to the running community know that this matters to you. So you take a marathon that you do locally um, and you say to them, hey, I have so many T-shirts. Can you offer an opt out for T-shirts, please? Now you've told them sustainability matters to you. Or maybe it's like you see a race that does a, like in here in St. Louis, one of the companies, Big River Running, they offer, uh, they work with a company called Forest Relief. So for every t-shirt that is opted out, they plant a tree. So when I say to them, wow, I love this initiative. And I don't mean me as in Tina. When one of your listeners says to, wow, I love that you are doing this. That's so important. That tells them, okay. We're doing the right thing here. That matters. That this is worth doing. Or um, if it's a brand you care about, hey, um, hey, Tracksmith, I really love you. I, I care about you. I'm just curious when you're going to be substituting this for that. Um, or, uh, you know, using the brands that you care about and telling them that this matters to you. And if they offer something using, even if, if you have the ability to spend the extra few dollars, if it costs it, to opt into that or to pay for an offset if a, if a race offers it would you like to offset your carbon emissions to get to this race that'll be an extra $5 yes i will pay that so however it can be for you to uh, let the running organizations races brands that you connect with know that this matters to you i would say that's the biggest thing you can do because um Let's take, uh, as I've been working with them recently, New York Courage Runners. If they know that people are appreciating and noticing and utilizing the sustainability initiatives that they are implementing, they will designate more budget to it. If people aren't using it and aren't paying attention to it, then they'll say, well, we're not really going to give any more money to that because it's not it's not working, is it? So that's the biggest thing I would say for runners is is find a way to engage with those things and races and places that you care about. Yeah, I love that. And and just providing that input and feedback and to let them know that it is important. Um, yeah, I I really like like that idea. And I know you have been working with like Chicago Marathon, New York Roadrunners. Is there any specific um, initiatives um, that will be going on at this year's marathon that really speaks to some of um, some of these efforts? Yeah, well, and just quickly, uh, the other obvious big thing that you should do low-hanging fruit is vote, local level, and you know nationally. That is number one. I I feel like I don't even need to say that, but <laughs> that's definitely the number one. Um, and and I feel like I often forget that because I'm not an American citizen, so I can't vote here. I need I need to get the ball rolling there, but um, that is the piece that I can't do, which is why I feel like I have to balance myself out by doing other things. Um, but yes, um, uh, what are they doing? A lot of the work is the interesting thing is it's not the like sexy things that people would think it is. Um, I mean, I think firstly, the, the idea we've been sold is like recycling is your way to like check a box. I'm environmental. <laughs> I care. Um, and I did share recently that only that night, well, 95% of plastic did not get recycled in 2022. That means that most wow. of what we put in our recycling bins is not getting recycled. Um, and so we can't lean on that anymore. So, 
a lot of what these races are doing are things like um, they do have beyond just recycling, they have um, compost uh, and and a trash and a TerraCycle program, which is where like bars, gels, wrappers, goo is currently doing a, uh, a um, partnership with TerraCycle collecting any nutrition pra- uh, packages from any brands. Um, and your listeners can go to uh, the, I can send you the link for it to put it in the show notes, a TerraCycle Goo uh, partnership where they can apply for a, um, a shipping label, ship for free all your gel wrappers, all your nutrition packages from any brand and TerraCycle and Goo will recycle it for you. So having those collection points at the at the races, having... Um, yeah, compost to to turn that into soil that can then be deposited to community gardens. So that's my favorite thing that Chicago is doing. The cups, Chicago uses a million and a half cups in during that marathon. Those cups and the banana peels and other food that people have gets made into soil. That soil is distributed to community gardens along the Chicago Marathon course. And the heat sheets that people are given after the race are then turned into park benches that are also put along the course. So those are some of the my favorite things that are like a circular economy, you know, turning thing one thing into another thing. Um, but also, I think it's important to mention that a lot of what is going on is is just behind the scenes of pushing brands that they work with not to put everything in a plastic bag. Um, pushing brands like a Nike to make their t-shirts made of 100% recycled materials rather than them being virgin materials. So a lot of it is the unglamorous stuff, but it's things, again, where if you're running Chicago, if you're running New York, utilizing those things that they have done um, and celebrating that they have is one way that they will continue in that direction. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And kind of as we get down to the final stretch here, this is kind of the last question that we ask all our guests. If you can change one uh, thing about the misconception um, about becoming a sustainable runner, what would that be? That you have to be perfect, that you have to be a Greta Thunberg taking a solar powered boat across the Atlantic, or you never fly again, or you have to be a vegan. Um, actually, I mean, in, in the book, we don't make the case for being a vegan. Zoe and I are not vegan. And actually in this injury that I've been working through, I have had to let go of being a vegetarian because my body was not recovering from this injury because I wasn't getting enough protein. And so um, that is the point I would like to get across that everything, I feel like everything in our world with sustainability, environmental sustainability makes you feel like, again, you're not good enough. You're not doing it right you're part of the problem. We wanted to make people feel like part of the solution. We wanted to remind people that it's the systems in place. Uh, I use the example often of yogurt. If you wanted to eat a sustainable yogurt, at least here in St. Louis, there is literally no yogurt I can buy that does not come in a plastic container. That's not my fault. Um, And so it's the system set in place. And those people who have all the power those uh, 100 companies that are 100 companies that are responsible for 71% of emissions, they want us to be pointing fingers at each other. But the point of this book is not to say what you're doing wrong, that you're not doing enough. It is to get us to mobilize, to come together, to speak up, to say, hey, we know those of you in power can do better because we can't do better until you do better. 
Oh, I love that. And I'm sure there's going to be many listeners who really resonate with that message um, that you shared and want to get all the goodness inside this book here that I have in my hands. Mm-hmm. Um, where can our Healthy Runner community um, connect with you and where can they buy the book? Yeah, um, thank you for that. And and I hope it also came across that a third of the book is about environmentalism, as you mentioned. It's not the whole book. So it does you don't you're not gonna get an environmental lecture here. Um, where can people go back to the book? They can go to becomingsustainablerunner.com and there's links to Target and Amazon and Barnes and Noble bookshop uh, and other places uh, elsewhere around the world. So I would definitely encourage people to go check it out there. And uh, I think that was the only question. Did, was there a second part to that? Yeah. And just connecting with you. Oh, with um, me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm on Instagram at Tina Muir 88 um, you can also find me, uh, the running for your podcast and, um, yeah, same on face, uh, on Facebook. You can just search for my name and it'll come up and, um, yeah, I would love to connect with you there. Thank you so much for having me. I've really loved to- talking to you and you had amazing questions. So I appreciate that. Oh, well, thank you. It's been such a joy, uh, talking with you after listening to many of your episodes over the years. And, uh, thank you for sharing your expertise and educating us all on, kind of how we can run for longevity in mind, not only for our health, but for our community and our planet Mm -hmm. as well. Um, Thank you to the listeners, as always, uh, for listening either during a car ride, during your run, hopefully you're crushing your run, or if you're watching the video version on our Spark Healthy Runner YouTube channel. Um, As always, guys, let's maintain a strong mind, a strong body, and let's just keep on running. Until next time. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Healthy Runner podcast, where we help you get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running. If you found this content valuable, here's five ways we can help you grow as a runner for free. One, grab a free copy of our six steps to growing as a runner framework at learn.sparkhealthyrunner.com forward slash grow. Two, follow our Instagram page at sparkhealthyrunner.com. Three, join our free group by searching Healthy Runner in Facebook. Four, subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash spark healthy runner. Five, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more experts in the running field and bring those lessons and trainings back here right to you. Don't forget, hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or the follow button on Spotify so you don't miss the next episode of Healthy Runner so you can maintain a strong mind, a strong body, and just keep running. Lastly, if you've been struggling with the constant injury cycle, not eating the right foods for running, or not getting faster as a runner, and you are ready to invest in becoming a lifelong injury-free runner, head to sparkhealthyrunner.com forward slash coaching to apply for a one-on-one signature coaching program. Thank you again. I really, truly mean it from the bottom of my heart that I appreciate you for listening and sharing this podcast with a running friend who can use the help. Now go and crush your run today. See you next week.